Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host, Jason. I've got Jackie and Michelle making their long-awaited returns to Goals on Film. How have the two of you been? Whoop, whoop. The gang is back. Good. Rather than uh, getting into sports movies, I've been watching crew true crime documentaries as well as like cult documentaries so you know this is a real change of pace but the sport is definitely a cult in its own way you've also been watching a lot of sport though so you've just cut out the fictional sport true true (laughs) i think that there's a reason why i tonya is our most listened to episode and that is because of ice skating and if you haven't listened to that one um go back and listen to it the three of us were on it and it was a great episode but this week we are doing another ice skating film and with the 2022-23 Grand Prix of figure skating final in Italy happening from today, day of recording, um, we'll be taking a look at and discussing 2015 ice skating comedy drama Ice Princess. Jason, would we have done the Yuri on Ice movie if they don't, if they, if it had <laughs> finally come out and they're not constantly, just consistently delaying it forever? I've been waiting six years for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was going to be about um Pyong and Pyeongchang, but now we're like maybe it's gonna be about Paris. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever that happens, I was on film will be ready to do an episode on it. I'll just give you a little bit of a synopsis before we get into the episode fully itself. The film tells the story of Casey Carlyle, a talented science student wanting to pursue a scholarship to Harvard, but she must present a summer project about physics. While watching a figure skating competition, she realises that ice skating would make a perfect project, choosing to improve her own skating by applying physics and what she's discovered from watching others. Following a recital, Casey skips two levels and is allowed to train with more experienced skaters, but helps them also perfect their own routines via algorithms on her computer. Casey has difficulty juggling her homework and skating, but does compete at an event but is sabotaged by Jen's mother and her coach, Tina. Casey loses interest in skating and Jen quits, but Casey, realising her dream, enlists Tina to help her with sectionals, competing at the event and coming second overall as her mother accepts her path in life. So with all that in mind and reflecting back on the movie itself, Jackie, Michelle, why do you like this movie? Uh, I mean, I like anything that's like figure skating media that wasn't made directly for Netflix. Um, because both of the Netflix figure skating shows are objectively bad but (laughs) (laughs) this this is like your first like baby's first taste at figure skating movie if you're our age um unless of course you watch the cutting edge because your mum forces you to watch 80s movies I don't know it's one of those movies where it's got a it's got a good message but also at the same time it's like Oh damn! <laughs> like this, this is a sport. Despite the fact that, like, you've got that grumpy older male relative that's like, "Judge sports are not real sports." But it's like you watching these guys just go splat every other minute because it's pretty gnarly, pretty pretty athletic. Also, it has the correct vibe and energy that, like, smack bang correlates when with probably when we were young and watching other shows that we still have nostalgic fondness for. So I think of like the Lizzie McGuire movie, especially. It like has that same energy for me and probably that contributes to the fondness as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that this was a fun movie. I think that like it was brutal at times as well. Like you sort of like understood everything that's sort of like 
you know, it might be associated with figure skating and just like the cutthroatness of it and just like, you know, the real like direct nature of like that uh, relationship, I guess, between a coach and her students. And, um, and then you tie that into like, you know, students and their families or like, you know, just daughters and their mothers and stuff like that as well. And I think that like, yeah, it balanced that really well. Like, and while still like showing that that is like, you know, the culture around it, I think. Um, but like in terms of the film itself, like it was very much like, you know, very structured and sort of formulated. I mean, like you had like all those sort of uh, definite, you had all those tropes of like what a Disney film, I think, especially is um, in terms of, and like Jackie, you and I were talking about it before we started recording in terms of like the sort of defiance um, against like a parental figure. And so like when we have Casey being like, it's my, it's your dream, not mine. You can't do this case. You're giving up your dream. No, Mom. I'm giving up your dream. I'm going after mine. And then, you know, you have it at the end where Casey's competing and, you know, her mother hasn't been uh, for this venture into ice skating at all. And then suddenly Casey thinks that she's going to compete without her mother there and looks up in the crowd and there she is and she just gives the performance of a lifetime. I mean, stuff like that, like you, it's very, yeah, like, like I said, it's very formulated, but I think the uh, movie um, still like, you know, maintain that sort of magic of uh, what ice skating is and I guess like a Disney movie as well. Yeah, I mean, this is Disney Channel original movies in like their best era. Like, um, and especially when it comes to Disney Channel original movies that have got like sports centered in them, because this is like, post double trouble post the luck of the irish but pre um high school musical which technically is a sports movie if you want to like <laughs> praise it that way basketball is very central to the plot golf in the second one less central but you know still a part of it um and i think that that's one of the things is this is when disney has figured out how to do the kids sports movies um, and make them good without having a lovable animal involved somewhere. Like this is genuinely a good movie and then there is sport tied into it. And it's also, it's like the movie's in on the joke in a lot of ways. And like, we're going to talk about this later, obviously, but there is references out the wazoo within this film, despite it being fictional, because it's in on the joke and it wants the people that were like around in the 90s and paying attention to all of the drama that is surrounded in figure skating, not just the one thing, to be like, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, I know this person. It's Disney at its finest. Disney wouldn't make this movie as well as, like, as good as it is now. And I can say that with confidence. Yeah, I think it helps that right around the time that they made it, the interest in women's figure skating in America was still relatively high. So they, they could make this story that basically just focuses on American skaters you don't really have the international aspect of figure skating as much in this movie even with like on the rink that they train at especially so that helps add to the insularity and the quaintness that also does date the movie I think as well it allows you to look back on it with a little bit of nostalgia it means that they're making it knowing that their audience probably does know a little bit about figure skating. If they were to make this movie 
today or in the context of now, it would feel a lot more patronizing and pandering just because a lot more context and explanation and exposition would need to be given in order for the quips and the Easter eggs to make sense to a general audience who now is either less interested in figure skating than the, because it's not as big of a cultural thing in America. So it would definitely have a very different vibe and doesn't have that kind of quaintness that I think we, I do, at least I do associate with the film and the mood that it sets. And like saying that you've got to look at like where US women's figure skating is now compared to them. Like the US win two Olympic, have won two Olympic gold medals in a row at this point. It is at its peak for women's skating as much as it could be without all the messiness that happened in the early 90s, which admittedly did put some people off the sport and then you've got in a year's time blades of glory comes out after this movie the only jump they know in that movie is an axle you actually get every jump but the flip referenced in this and to be fair you don't really need to explain what a flip and a lutz is but they still go whoa she threw in that triple lutz like it's not like they're not actually using tangible knowledge of the sport there is more love and care to it than Blaze of Glory, which is a genuine comedy, um, or even the lacks of spinning out and the other one that's like a figure skating but hockey Netflix series that I can't remember the name of. Yeah, I think spinning out is a good example of like what a figure skating TV show made now would look like in its entirety. It is a TV show rather than a movie, but... The, the, the way that they depict the relationships in it, the kinds of themes that they're exploring would be the approach that I would imagine an American film studio would take when creating some kind of figure skating media now in general. Very different to Yuri and Ice. Final thing that I did want to add was when you said the whole, the you're giving up your dream line, immediate throwback to a Cinderella story where Chad Michael Murray's character says the exact same thing to his coach dad. It's identical. <laughs> I love and it. I was- I, anytime that, anytime that kind of scene comes on in one, like one of those movies, I will say it as they're saying it because my brain is just like, yeah, I know this bit. <laughs> I've seen this a million times before. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those movies, but we will move on now and we did allude to it that, uh, you know, some of these characters are based on some real life figure skaters and they do make a lot of references to former figure skaters um, and just events uh, that are pretty memorable. And so um, before I throw it to you guys, um, because you'll have a lot more knowledge of this than I do, um, the one that, you know, is probably prevalent um, is Tina, uh, Tina Harwood, which is a reference to Tonya Harding. And so in the movie, Tina tries to cheat her way to the top by injuring another skater, Casey. Um, in the same way, I guess, that Tonya was accused of being involved in an, an attack on Nancy Kerrigan in 1994. Um, so Nancy Kerrigan and, uh, yeah, Tonya Harding were skating competitors. Um, but, yeah, you two have some other examples of these characters in Ice Princess being based on or a composite of some real-life figure skaters. you want to tell us about those? I first want to say that I am envisioning Kim Cattrall playing a young Tonya Harding in the in like an I Tonya style movie, and it's very much flowing and clicking in my head perfectly. Oh, she could play Tonya Harding now, like 
absolutely kim control now could play tonya yeah. harding now yeah and it would be excellent um there's like a lot with um just tina in general like the sarajevo um that's the 1984 olympics which is the first time we see the likes of Brian Orsa. It's where Katrina Witt wins her first Olympic gold medal. It's where Torval and Dean win gold ahead of Pestamianova. So like, yeah, it's, that's a big Olympics. That's like the first like big, like historical reference Olympics from this like generation of Olympians. Um, and she's like, I, <laughs> I collided with someone in practice. Tell me what happened in Sarajevo. Why didn't you win? I had an unfortunate warm-up before my short program. I collided with another skater and she got hurt. Are you sorry? Look. I paid my dues. I was suspended. By the time they considered reinstating me, I was 26 and it was too late. But there isn't a day that goes by that I don't wish that I could relive that moment and do it differently. Which I think they're talking about like the, not the six minute warm up kind of practice, but like a day before kind of practice. And she gets suspended. I'm like, man, I've seen so, I've seen so many skaters like collide with each other in practices and genuinely injure each other. But like, you're not getting suspended for an accident. Like, Unless it was like, oh, she like came up and slashed my leg, like, which to be fair, at the 2018 or 2019 Worlds, an American skater does actually hit someone in the leg and it caused like a massive controversy in a practice session. So it's like, but do you know what? Nothing happened. I think also like when we talk about the four main girls, Casey Carlisle is Nancy Kerrigan. More than just the, like her feet getting uh, messed up, but also like she's the artistic skater. She like is just oozing with all this talent, blah, 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 blah. Like, as well as that, like she's kind of boring and arrogant. That's also the Nancy Kerrigan vibe a little bit. Um, and then you've got Nikki, aka the jumping jumping shrimp. She is Tara Lipinski, like through and through. It's again with the a little bit the annoying vibe. Um, the jumping shrimp shrimp could be. It's implied that it is a reference to Tara being called the robotic shrimp at one point. And it's also like she's clearly younger than the rest of the group. She's more intense about skating. She's the best one. Um, and of the 90 skaters, like because she was so young right at the end of that era, she was considered like the best. She essentially defines what ends up happening to figure skating a little bit. Um, Tiffany is clearly Michelle Kwan um, in the sense that she's elegant, graceful. Um, they also typecasted an Asian actor to play the Michelle Kwan stand-in. and. Jen's probably the only one that isn't actually a specific reference. Then again, Aliona Kostanaya may have just like modeled her existence post-skating off of Jen yeah. because um, that girl is just as sassy as Jen is and like just essentially like quits competing for her team because of the fact that like she's like, nah, I don't want to like do this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Very much so. I was also trying to think about who Jen could be. And there's a lot of 
common themes where Jen is a very realistic figure skating person, like mum's their coach, very burnt out, very tired, wants to be a normal student, high school student, wants to do fun things. I think very much of like Paulina Edmonds in that regard, especially, I think. But yeah, the on um on ice uh personality is still what differs her from a lot of the people that come to mind for me from that era especially it may even be more niche like I can easily imagine this to be someone that maybe the writers encountered at a sectionals at a more a a lower level competition uh who doesn't end up making it to the world stage possibly because they burn out possibly because they just don't have the talent but it's very much someone that you would encounter at your local rink who is one of the more talented competitive skaters yeah and like even with that she's as as you put it like she's the person that you actually see at a rink every single like Saturday every Monday free practice like one session in the morning like she's always there she hates it (laughs) but she's pretty good um and her mum's like barking orders at her and like you kind of also see that when Casey's in the novice summer camp of like the parents screaming at their kids like if you've been to a rink during a practice session you've seen it (laughs) especially like I think it's one of the mums says to I think his name's Jeremy um and she's like you use that trope that gets there for a reason or no friends over for a week. (laughs) How absurd, but also like I've seen some parents yelling at their kids at a rink for very minor things, Um, but it's an expensive sport and that's part of it. And I think that that's what works as well is like we've seen it with figure skaters. Um, Tonya Harding is obviously a really good example of like the costs that the sport has on families and just how much like goes into it and you see in the speech that Tina gives to Casey where she's like you've got to want it more than anything else if I wanted to compete you can't why not all that happened tonight was the judges saw the same thing that I've been seeing all summer you got some raw talent but that's not enough for a shot at the regionals you need a coach ballet choreographer private ice time Nikki's parents took out a second mortgage just to put her through this. And Tiffany's dad works two jobs. Oh. Where'd you get those skates? Garage sale. They're falling off your feet. You need custom boots, $600 minimum, and the blades need to be sharpened every six weeks. Okay, you get it? I'm sorry. It is what it is. You have to want it. You have to want it more than anything else. It's not something you do on a whim. Is it it's like... Nikki's parents took out a second mortgage on their home and they're the ones that like are trying to get sponsorship deals and have branding and stuff like that and they're still doing that Tiffany's dad picked up an extra job I mean Jen's kind of got it easy because her mom's her coach but that still has an emotional cost on the family and so it's like one thing after another after another and then also I think one of the fun things because every figure skating movie ends up having genuine figure skaters in it is that at the end of the movie, the ESPN commentators are Brian Boitano and Michelle Kwan. Welcome to ESPN's coverage of the Eastern Sectional Junior Ladies Short Program. I've got to say, Michelle, from the looks of the practice sessions I've seen, these ladies are definitely fired up. 
That's right, Brian. Every skater has worked unbelievably hard to get here, and every one of them is ready to compete. Michelle Kwan even makes a nod to herself. Unfortunately, she doesn't actually compete in 2006. Um, of being like, oh, we might even see Casey at the 2006 Olympics. And like smiles at the camera because Michelle Kwan was expected to go to the 2006 Olympics. But yeah, it's there's so much about this movie, like when it comes to like those little historical nuggets that are really funny. And then there's other things where you're like, oh, it's a little too obvious. And that's probably the Tina Harwood Tonya Harding is the most obvious. Like, at least with the others, the names are like ever so slightly different. It's not like bang, bang. <laughs> it, like they're very short on the, the world of real life figure skating in America doesn't really exist in the movie as much. The only real mention of it you have is Sasha Cohen as being an in universe uh skater so they are able to draw on this a lot more like even michelle kwan like we don't really hear her name we don't really like know too much about her but we know who she who she is so it's a very interesting paradigm there where they've really got a lot of this through the nods and references to the existing characters in this way it's a fun time i guess especially for viewers then and even viewers now who kind of can look back on this movie and be like oh I remember when skating was more like this in terms of the expenses and costs thing that Jackie talked about as well I like through while watching the movie I kept just thinking about how like they've done their best to get around it the fact that figure skating is such an expensive sport with the way that Casey's getting into it but I'm still just like, mm, don't think that's realistic. And it's even less realistic now in that regard, I think, where everything is so much more expensive. When they drop that like $800 number as being like, this is how much it takes you to like, to do this summer camp thing. I'm just like, I was doing the math and I was like, how much did my skates cost? It's not that much. So it's a, like a six week camp that is three days a week. That adds up to being oh, not a lot. It costs like, maybe it's $300 to do like once a week for 10 weeks in Australia (laughs) like so when it's like oh it's this and I'm like they ain't spending an hour on the ice they're probably spending like four hours on the ice each day too like it's not it's not that much money $800 is a lot of money but in that like that camp nowadays if it is what I reckon it is um it that would be close to $1,500 at a minimum. And she has to buy her own skates, which she like gets at a garage sale or whatever. But like to get that quality of skate to be able to do the things that she's doing on them, especially with how quickly she progresses, they would still have to be pretty good skates. And also, yeah, there's a lot of equipment comes on it. And then even outside of the time when she's practicing as part of the sessions you can see that she's spending a lot of time on the ice for her physics project and it's unclear in the movie whether she is paying for that time but at that point when she's doing the camp and stuff I I would see that as being like an additional thing that she would have to pay for as well if she is just practicing all the skills that she's learning well she does get a job at the ring I think also one of the other like funny little details within this is the like in-universe competitions because like the east north what is it new england regionals 
um, which is the first competition they're at. That's, that's a legit competition. Um, and I'm sure I do not remember what the sectionals is called for the life of me. I'm sure that that's probably the real name of a real competition. They have some weird figure skating competition names. There's one that's like called the Carberry Cup. There was the Santa Claus Cup like a week ago. Um, and that's an international event. <laughs> also, it's just this itty bitty little things. And we'll talk about like how true to the sport it actually is because there's a lot of different things. But um, yeah, I just, I think that the way that they play to the history of the sport, which is clever in a way, also at times is to its own detriment. Cause like, yes, you're like getting the parents sucked in a little bit, but also you're not quite getting it right. <laughs> Which yeah. helps keep it fictional and not slanderous, I guess. And we will get into how true the film does depict the sport soon, but there is one more reference that we do get, and it's by the commentators, and it is at the end when Casey falls and, uh, you know, picks herself back up, and uh, the commentators reference Midori Ito at the 1992 Olympics. And so, Jackie, do you want to uh, tell us what a ref- that is a reference to? Uh, so at the 92 Olympics... It's it's interesting because it goes over like two programs, essentially what happens with Midori Ito. Um, in the short program, she was intending on doing a triple axle double toe loop combo, I believe it was. Uh, doesn't end up doing it because, you know, uh, she nearly gets hit in the head in practice. But then in the free skate, she falls on her triple axle um, at the start of the program and then does one like later in the program and has a pretty incredible program. Granted, I do not think that that is the mid-program disaster of Maduri Ito's I would have referenced because in 1991 at the World Championships, Maduri Ito literally falls out of the rink doing a jump combination. It's my favourite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favourite figure skating references because I'm just like, you want to you hear something hilarious? So she's doing like a triple lutz, triple toe combo or maybe it's a triple toe, double toe combo. I can't remember off the top of my head. The footage is really grainy. And she jumps too close to the wall. And so when you see her, like, attempt her first jump, you're like, well, I don't think she should be going for this second jump. And she goes for it. And her skate barely lands inside the rink. And then she falls over. So basically <laughs> there, the cameraman. Yep. There is a cubby in the ice, which is where the camera gets access to be able to film the program. So it's a divot there. She doesn't, like, jump so high to go over the barrier she just goes is like perfectly angled into that corner which is a pretty normal thing in skating for you to try to take advantage of the long side of the rink so she ends up in that corner and just falls out wow <laughs> yeah we stand Maduri Ito in this household let me just say I absolutely love her but it, it's one of the funniest things all right we'll move on now to how well Ice Princess depicts the sport of ice skating so i'll just start by saying that uh casey is shown competing under theatrical lighting usfsa skating competitions do not have theatrical lighting um she's also seen competing with music that has words in it and uh these particular skating competitions do not allow uh music with words for their programs and if words are used the skater has points deducted and so uh casey should have had points deducted yeah this is in the 6.0 era technically because the united states still kind of stands 6.0 and sometimes uses it for competitions god knows why but 
yeah, this is like right on the cusp. And when they're making this movie, 6.0 is actually still the like scoring system that is used. But when it releases in 2005, it's when they introduce uh, IJS as the judging system where they separate the technique and the components, which they were always kind of separate, but they actually award like specific scores to the jumps and the spins and that kind of thing. So when you're getting like a couple of points deducted on 6.0, you are going from like second to last, like immediately. Um, it's just like, you, uh, you lose a point, you are stuffed. One of the things that I looked up, which is pretty early in the movie when you think about it, is the testing um, and what it takes to be a junior pass. So I, I had a look on the ISA website, which is Ice Skating Australia, to look at the testing requirements. And I'm going to say, Casey wouldn't have passed. <laughs> um, Not for, with what she was doing in that showcase. No. For starters, to be a junior pass, you have to do five patterns in both directions. Um, and they're not easy patterns by any means. Like they include rocker turns, bracket turns. Um, you've got to do a loop in a bracket pattern. You've got to, and I mean a loop turn, not a loop jump. It's confusing, I agree. Um, and a spiral sequence. She would have done the spiral sequence fine, I'm sure. But that's the only thing that she was actually capable of doing. However, the technical aspect of this test, there was no way she was passing because it includes a double axle for women. Uh, you need to do a double or a triple jump. She does a double. So to, to her credit, she passed the solo jump. Uh, a jump combination that is either a double-double or a double-triple or a triple triple she needs to do a layback or sideways leaning spin which she i believe she does a sideways leaning spin so we'll give oh, no, her she that does a layback. oh okay so she does the layback <laughs> it's gonna be a minimum of eight revolutions uh a spin combination she does not do a uh, step sequence she does not do <laughs> um and that's like essentially you're meant to do a short program uh to be a junior pass like a solid junior short program uh she doesn't do that so she probably should have been a fail <laughs> she also like I'll just I'll pull up the basic novice singles pass um for technique because this is probably what she actually would have passed so minimum of four jump elements for starters a axle mandatory and a double jump mandatory so I like she does the double jump she doesn't have a double axle at this point in the movie though she is landing a double toe loop in that video almost by accident and like I've got a whole thing about like the fact that you can be a self-taught skater and learn double jumps yes it is incredibly difficult though she is by the time that regionals rolls around a self-taught skater that has a triple and like that's not happening I know people that have skated for years that are self-taught that have a double axle don't have triples like to hit the double axle is hard enough in itself and sometimes harder for some people than triples. But like the amount of airtime you need, the amount of practice, just like straight up, you're going to fall and hurt yourself a lot. A lot of people practice in harnesses. You don't even hear the mention of a harness. <laughs> One of the big things that this film does is that it focuses a lot on the technical because she loves physics. And that's funny, first of all, because... America at this time, especially women's figure skating, was thinking that with the in 
introduction of the IJS system that the focus on the technical was actually going to be to the detriment of the sport. They were all about the artistry. They loved a beautiful, flowy artistic skater who may not have the best triple jumps. They wanted someone who, like, who had a beautiful spiral sequence who could uh, be very musical. That's why, and it's that's very much the Michelle Kwan effect, basically. So it's really funny that this is a movie almost foreshadowing really, that is so focused on being like, how do you center your spin? How do you get this triple? I'm going to help you get a double axle. I'm going to use physics to hack my way through into getting this junior level pass. But the second point to that is most of the time when people are skating at the level where they can do double jumps or they've figured out the mechanics of doing a double jump, it's not the physics that's the problem. It's the mental side of it that's the problem. The problem is fear of injury, basically, and trying to preemptively protect yourself. And basically, that's what leads you to doing something with incorrect technique or uh, without enough force or power in order to complete the jump. So the extent that she can use physics to hack her way through Without a harness, without any mention, like the only time she really gets mention of getting injured is when she starts and she's like waddling on the ice like a penguin. When she is on while the ice is being zambonied and when she oh. is sitting in new boots. Like those are the three instances where she is at risk of injuring herself. When I'm like, if you've been practicing triple jumps by yourself where the coach is not focused on you because while she's sharing ice time, the coach is going to be focusing on the students who are paying her at that time, which Casey is not paying for a coach. So no one's spotting her, no one's checking her, no one's adjusting her technique. No matter how good her physics is, she can't feel what she's doing correctly. I think the best that she can do is see it. So in that sense, her being able to get to become this good of a skater, a lot of holes and gaps in that process. Yeah, and, like, so the physics isn't wrong in the movie. Like, the physics is actually correct 90% of the time. I think that they get one thing wrong and then they edited it in post so it was correct. I did find a couple of things that uh, Casey does get wrong in her explanations, and that is that when she's making her video with her friend, um, she skates faster because of the conversion of angular momentum. By pulling her arms in, she decreases her radius, thus decreasing her moment of inertia and therefore her angular uh, velocity increases, i.e. she spins faster. Physics and, like, science, like, this is an era where sports science is actually really starting to become a thing. Um, And the way that we see sport take off post the early 2000s, sports science is one of the most dominant factors in, like, dominating sport beyond raw talent. Um, And when it comes to figure skating, it is even down to the costumes like and this is a reference to Zero Hanyu because he's talked about it um the weight of your costume matters and like it's the little minute details that like matter so much to like just your body feeling right another reference in the movie is um when I think it's Tiffany says that she hears Zoe Block, who is the skate thief, like antagonist type character, but she's fine. She's just good. Um, <laughs> like they're like, oh, we heard she landed a quad. There's only one woman in the world that has landed a quad at this point. Um, and no one will land a quad again for 
nearly 20, well, for like 16 years. Um, and that's Mickey Ando. She landed a quad sal in 2002. She was a quad yeah, as a junior. So it actually, like, there's parts of that that is correct. It does make sense that Zoe, who is the best skater in the region, is, like, the one that has the highest technical elements. And the fact that they're going around saying that she has a quad, it's not crazy because it's something that was being worked on in women's skating for a while at that point, but no one had it except for Miki Ando. So... It's one of those things to say that, like, it's almost a nod as if to say that, like, Zoe Block was probably the one of the ones that was potentially going to be an international skater. Um, and Nikki is, like, <laughs> she's by far the best of them um, in that training group. And you can see it in the programs. There's less, like, tracking on her face and stuff like that because uh, she's a genuine skater. And, like, yeah. this is, like, a real-life thing is that, uh, Kristen Olsen, who plays Nikki, was a novice skater in the United States at that time. Like she was competing at novice competitions and finished fifth at US Nationals that season as a novice. Um, but this movie is trying to tell you that these guys are junior level skaters. On top of that, though, like Casey's too old. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that isn't like really nodded to enough is that like She's 16, 17 the whole way through this movie. Casey does seem too old for this particular class, um, which is the Snowplow Sam class. Um, it's for children that are up to six years old. And so Casey is obviously much too old for them. But I think that a thing about it as well is like what they're learning um, in this particular class. And so like, this is like, you know, the basic level stuff. They learn stuff like sitting and standing, marching in place, marching forward, um, all this sort of stuff, so much more. Um, but in this particular class in the movie, they're learning more advanced skills during the practice session. They're like landing axles and these are things that are usually much uh, learn, learned much later. It's so funny thinking about that snowplow class because they're, they're doing lotses and flips and stuff like that. And you're only doing like sow cows at that point and maybe a toe loop. That class to me is a novice level class. It makes sense that they're doing novice testing, but like whether they were doing basic novice testing or advanced novice testing, like is its own thing because there are multiple novice levels. Because of that, like a 16, 17 year old going to the national level out of nowhere just doesn't happen, especially if she's not been competing at these smaller regional sectional competitions for years because there is a level, as Tina puts it, like you've got to pay your dues. It is a sport where being known does kind of matter. Yeah, the politicking is entirely absent in this in terms of who your coaches matters, your reputation matters, how you've done in past competitions matters. And especially if her coach is going to be this Tomya Harding stand-in, that's probably going to be more harmful to her scores than it is going to be beneficial. So all those factors, this movie just kind of pushes aside and doesn't really deal with. The only other thing I actually want to talk about when it comes to how realistic the skating element of this movie is, is there's two, technically. Um, they do not do enough jumps in the programs at all. Uh, in the long program, you are meant to do seven jumping passes, which means that it's either a single jump, a two jump combination, or a three jump combination. 
she does three jumps in her free skate. Um, and I think she does two jumps in her short program. Not, not enough jumps. That's not enough jumps. They get the names down, but that's not enough jumps. Um, and the boots. <laughs> because, yeah, you don't want to be skating on new boots um, at a competition. They are so stiff that they will they won't mess up your feet as badly as her feet were messed up like that's that takes like a couple go arounds in those boots I reckon um and they don't like (laughs) your uh, leggings would already be torn (laughs) like to end up with those kind of um I don't know blisters they're not blisters they're sores more than anything else um but yeah boots are so stiff when you first get them especially if you are doing double and triple jumps you are getting stiffer boots um that it makes sense it is very funny those boots do not actually have a label on them they deliberately cover up the tongue and i don't know if it's like disney didn't have the sponsorship from john wilson or um wrist sport because it's either one of those two boot making companies or if it's that whichever one it was didn't want to be known as the brand that goes and fucks up your feet (laughs) because that that is its own branding thing but yeah um it's quite realistic it's a real thing and that's why it's so massive that she like buys her those new skates and like lets her skate on them i would also add back to the physics part of everything because it is a core part of this movie first of all it does come to as a surprise to me like it would have been too complicated probably but the fact that she doesn't realize that skating on new boots is a bad idea you would think that like understanding the aerodynamics of the human individual the boots are a huge part of it first of all because of the weight of them but second of all because the stiffness and the support that they give does matter but also it's the blade part of figure skating like you would think that she would have a little bit more of an understanding of the shock and everything like that from a physics perspective but putting that aside the technology that she presents in this movie where she's starting to map how the skater looks in the air the tracking of the 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 body air position during a jump and all those things newfangled and very ahead of its time when this movie came out even now that technology does exist to an extent but it's not widely used in figure skating. So in Japanese competitions, especially their nationals, they have this technology called ice scope, which Jackie and I love. It's the best. Awesome. In their replays, they will show those diagrams of what the skater looks like during the air throughout their jumps. And then that also detects the speed of the skater during the jumps the height of the jump the length the distance that jumped and all of that but even though Japan has this technology it's still just Japan for the past few years that have used it which makes no sense given it that it is a very good way of compensating for any shortcomings that a tech panel might have in being able to see the degree of rotation or being able to use some more objective factors to detect the quality of a jump. The body mapping stuff is also like, I can't imagine how you do that without wearing special equipment and like body tracking clothing to be able to get the kind of stuff that she's seeing. But it's also something that I'm like, I can see that happening now, probably not back then, especially. Yeah, 18 years ago. <laughs> like, I 
think that's the biggest shock is that it's like this movie was made in 2004 and this is stuff that they have barely been implementing in the past five years. So it's even funnier to that degree that she has not used a harness at all (laughs) and yet she has this computer that can like perfectly track your body and air position during jumps when you're going super duper fast like are frame rates even fast enough back then on cameras to be able to catch that kind of stuff you're spinning so fast when you're doing that okay according to the motion tracking on the faces like when they're doing spins no they're not the frame rate is not good enough (laughs) so kind of in the tech that's where we're at although and we really meme the heck out of this bringing this back to Yuzuru Hanyu, speaking of people who have written entire theses about the way that physics impacts your performance while you're skating. Yeah, Yuzuru Hanyu is the real ice princess, let's be real. Yeah, he's a true nerd in that regard where he cares about all these things. And yeah, I remember that he did use himself as a case study, especially because he was trying to get the quad axle like real hard at the time and just tracking his body and looking into ways that he can finesse his own skating in order to achieve certain results at the highest level possible because he is possibly, like, arguably the greatest figure skater of his time. But, yeah, I just, there's this so much because it's, like, they've got a lot right. To their credit, there is a lot that's right and the things that they've gotten wrong it's more like, ah, no one's going to care that they're only doing three jumps in a freeze again except yeah. for the nerds. And it's like, yes, I do care. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of stuff, like I said, the, the reason why this movie is rewatchable in a way that when Jackie and I watched Spitting Out, we were just yelling so frustrated at the TV is because all the things that they get inaccurately, you're willing to suspend for the sake of the in-movie um, in universe. It's a Disney movie. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And it's also, like, inconsequential. Like, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, But sure. Uh, The final thing that I did want to mention that I think is a little bit unforgivable and I will not let this slide is um, do not Zamboni a lake. Yeah. Do not. Everything related to the Zamboni makes me so angry. Like, when she goes on the ice when the Zamboni's out, I'm like, I'm sorry. No, you, even if it's your first time skating, you know not to go out on the zebra. Like for starters, that is some wet ice. Like it's a that puddle. Is, it's it's you're skating in puddles. We would be bitching so hard if we were oh. at like the O'Brien Arena in Melbourne, um, and the ice was that puddly. Like it's just idiot. And like I'm glad that she fell over because she deserved that. But yeah, <laughs> oh my god. And the, I've never skated on ice so smooth before. I'm sorry. When you go out to your like first like your session for your snowplow like class um that that would be fresh ice they they would be uh doing that and also the other unrealistic thing is that like the hockey player doesn't hate it immediately because (laughs) if there's anything that's real it's figure skaters and hockey players having rivalries over the quality of the ice because oh yeah figure skaters hate like what hockey players do with their edges to the ice and hockey players hate the fact that like you know figure skaters take out massive chunks of the ice with their toe pick jumps (laughs) but it's like oh like flirt 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 and I just have beef with that entire party scene. <laughs> so much oh, of that yeah. scene. It's not even related to the skating. It's just like, shut up. You're so weird. <laughs> yeah. No, 
oh she is so weird but also I also just want to put out there that the guy they get to get to play Teddy is basically just their best attempt at looking for a young Mark Ruffalo he's too he's too old and also I think that like even they've like talked about it is that he's playing a father figure stand-in in parts which makes the romance even weirder because you know clearly she's in love with Jen (laughs) clearly that's always the takeaway yes that is determined pretty early on I reckon all right we will move on and look at the casting performances and the actors that were involved in this film and I'll just give you like you know the five main actors I think and so we had Michelle Trachtenberg as Casey Carlisle we had Joan Cusack as Joan Carlisle Kim Cattrall as Tina Harwood, Hayden Panettiere as Jen Harwood, and Trevor Bloomis as Teddy Harwood. And so keeping those five in mind, and we had a whole host of other actors to appear and other characters that you can obviously make mention of. Uh, what did you think of the cast list overall? You know, who stood out to you? Who didn't you like? Let's talk about it. It's a pretty iconic cast, at least as far as the four main women are concerned. Like Joan Cusack and Kim Cattrall are like icons of the 90s. Michelle Trachtenberg and Hayden Pantanier end up being like, they are the it girls in a way of the 2000s. Like Hayden Pantanier is in three sports movies back to back. You guys have already covered one on Goals on Film being Racing Stripes. She's also in the third Bring It On where she attempts to crump. Um, but and then Michelle Trackenberg was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then also is Georgina Sparks aka one of the best just menaces that shows up at the end of every season um of TV history uh in Gossip Girl and she's she's coming back in Gossip Girl this year so I mean that's an iconic mess of a character so yeah as far as the acting performances go Hayden Pantanier is probably the standout she has the best emotional moment of the movie when she quits and does the like do you know what I want like while crying (laughs) I want to be good at math yeah I want to be good at math I'm quitting. You've got to be kidding. That's ridiculous. No, I was ridiculous for putting myself through this for so long. We both know I don't have the talent. Jen, perseverance is nine-tenths of mastering any sport. Do you know what I want? No, you don't know what I want. Because you never cared. I'm listening. I want to stop missing school. I like school. And you know what? It's stupid. And the band will probably be horrible, but you know what I want? I want to go to the homecoming dance. And I want to go with Brian. And I want to stop feeling like an idiot for flunking math because I don't have the time to learn it. And I want... All right. All right. I can see that maybe we've overdone it. Overdone it? That is a character that you can see that they were kind of trying to set her up as being the mean girl, but Hayden has like just so much charisma, oozes charisma. And at the same time, like it, you could say it's enemies to lovers, but she's never actually like mean. She's kind of a dick in that initial meeting where she gives the invitation where you're like, oh, that was rude and snobby. But, like, she's the reason why Casey's even able to, like, film at the rink and that sort of thing. Like, she doesn't, everything she says, you're like, "Mm, you're making points. Like, when she, 
what is it she says something like oh if you uh film me falling on my butt and post it on the school website like you better watch out and I'm like yeah I at 15 would also have said something like that like that's just a reasonable take so yeah it's just funny she's I think that she has the strongest performance as does at least of the adults Kim Cattrall um whilst she is the villain of the movie in a lot of ways um she's just so engaging and I do like the idea that Samantha took like a year off from having sex in New York to (laughs) go and be a menace um in uh, I'm assuming it's Connecticut like (laughs) in a small town in Connecticut at a local ice skating rink like she got married she got divorced and like these are her two adopted kids or like stepkids that she got in the divorce as well but she was like look I'm just gonna do this Gonna take a break from all of Carrie and like everyone else's bullshit. I would agree in the sense that the performances, it's definitely Hayden Panettiere who stands out and it's very much like she's the most aligned and calibrated with that kind of Disney performance, especially. So she fits the best in a Disney movie. She has this innate likability about her and that comes with the charisma as well, where she really does pull off the character the best for those reasons, in my opinion. I think, yeah, but the a great little cast list. When watching Joan Cusack, I've also like recently rewatched Adam's Family Values. So as I was watching this Joan Cusack, I was thinking about that Joan Cusack. And it's the kind of thing where you're able to do that because there's nothing about this performance to me that particularly is a very strong, makes it a very strong iconic character none of the choices are particularly out there. Part of that's because it's a Disney movie, but even in Disney movies, I feel like there is a bit of wiggle room there. She's trying to play this very, like, which wave of feminism would this be? It's it's the misandrous, but also, like, she's, she's yeah. incredibly sexist to women. Yeah. It's, like, because there's a lot of suffragette energy in what she's yeah. trying to do. Also, um, though, I'm not like other girls' energy. Like, the... Exactly. Um, I guess we'll always still hate the prom queen. It's like, ma'am, you are like 44. I know. <laughs> At least. Like, get over it. Also, you did not go to school together because Tina Harwood was too busy getting disqualified from the Olympics. I know. I was like, it would like, I was like, it would be so much funnier if she was the girl who got injured. <laughs> If she was like the Nancy Kerrigan at Sarajevo. Yeah, but never, never told Casey. Yeah. She's also in a way meant to be the like Midwestern mum, kind of, just by the fact that they're in New England. Um, the way that Joan Cusack says some words just <laughs> annoys me. And then other words, it tickles me. So, you know, <laughs> I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the way she talks. The comments about the figure skating costumes, which are sexist, actually comes from stuff that you hear from real people where they're like I just don't understand the costumes like why can't they like all the other athletes at the Olympics just wear something with their country's like like flag on it or something like that so it's like that comes from a real place that is still a conversation today where it's like but it's about the package like next you're gonna say they shouldn't be skating to music but that doesn't make sense because they've always skated to music and then we're just going back to doing compulsory figures she is the least likable character though by far 
Um, and it's not just because she's stopping Casey from what she's doing and pushing, like projecting her own dreams onto Casey, but it's also just like, <laughs> she's, she's the genuinely the villain in this movie for a lot of different reasons. And it's also because she's just kind of cringe. Like <laughs> Tina is a badass. <laughs> yes, she's evil, but it's also like, oh yeah, she's cool. And I mean, Jen's boyfriend definitely would hit on Tina, like, regularly. <laughs> like, you can just see that, like, that's a whole dynamic that's going on with the one interaction they have for the whole movie. I think for me, like, Hayden kind of here, I said on the Racing Stripes episode that, like, you could definitely tell that this was one of her, or, like, Racing Stripes was one of her first film roles, major film roles, and there was only two months in between when Racing Stripes was released and when Ice Princess was released, and I don't know about the filming schedules or anything like that, but I feel like, you know, even from, like, Racing Stripes to Ice Princess, like, you could definitely see the growth of Hayden Panettiere. You know, like, yeah, understanding now that, like, these movies were released right after one another and going back to me saying that, like, and watching this movie now, like, I can see that growth. Like, I think I said on that episode that, like, I could see the potential that she has to make it as an actor in Hollywood. And I think that this movie does prove that. And so I think that it was a really strong performance by Hayden. And, you know, she, you know, had all of those, like, yeah, just emotional side of, uh, or both sort of, like, sides of, like, an emotional uh, person in terms of, you know, wanting to skate really well and, you know, you know, uphold, I guess, like, what her mother wants, but then also being strong in terms of, like, you know, really standing up for herself as well and so like I think that both of those um sort of elements to the character of Jen um that Hayden was really able to do that really well and I think that she was able to work off every other actor as well like you know she didn't really have um uh any scenes really I don't think with uh Joan Husack but I think that definitely in terms of Hayden acting alongside Michelle Trachtenberg um Kim Cattrall I think that everyone just really worked off each other and maybe it is to do with like you know Joan Cusack and Kim Cattrall um being stars of the 90s and then Hayden and Michelle being stars of the um the 2000s that like they sort of like understood or like have come from the same sort of position um as each other I guess or like you know especially in the way of like Michelle and Hayden and I guess like they were starting to go through that and so like I think that you know that you know they were able to be together in like that sort of sense um and it just improved the performances I think of the cast as a whole because like as much as yeah like you know Joan Cusack annoyed me um Kim Cattrall did at times like I think that you know they were still playing the characters really well and I, I think that you really got that like at the end when they were walking away with Casey and like they were sort of bickering I think that like that scene especially just like you know personified each character um in terms of like you know just that they were basically the same character. Like they both wanted their, um, you know, daughter, student to do well, wanted them to focus on, you know, one particular aspect versus another. And uh, yeah, like I said, I think that last scene of them bickering really sort of personified and confirmed that. I'd also say that like, as far as Joan Cusack and um, Hayden Panettiere go, this is the second movie inside of a year that they do together because they're also in Raising Helen, which is a Kate Hudson movie together. Um, as like aunt and niece 
And <laughs> there is actually a really funny scene in that movie where they interact, which makes me just go, oh, why did they not interact in this movie where she, <laughs> uh, Hayden Benetton's character like skips prom and is like with oh, her sleazy boyfriend <laughs> in like a hotel room. But she like bursts in and is like, you said you were going to prom, like, and all this sort of stuff. And so there's, like, a back and forth where she's telling her off and she's more likable in this scene than she is in the whole of Ice Princess. And then, like, goes up to the boyfriend after she gets Hayden Panettiere's character out of the room and it's like, you're not a bad person. You're just making bad choices <laughs> or something like that. And it's like, I was like, ah, yes, this is... <laughs> This is a movie where she's kind of Kate Hudson's foil. Um, and Kate Hudson's obviously incredibly charismatic, but it's just like, this is part, I, a lot of Joan Cusack's role in this movie, I blame on Disney writing. And then also the fact that like, Joan Cusack kind of goes into an era of playing like these kind of characters that are annoying mum characters. Um, but there's just so many lines of dialogue for her character specifically that are meant to be like feminist rantings that Casey's not really interested in listening to that it's just like no not a real person doesn't talk like this <laughs> like the um rant where she talks about George Sand it's like for starters she says sand rather than sand which is just weird in my brain <laughs> um but it's like when it's like who was a woman by the way and it's like that's not how that interaction would have gone Unless you're saying that she's a mother that doesn't listen to her kid at all. Um, and also she's a teacher, but like she's criticizing her daughter for tutoring a kid that's not picking up quick enough, which like no university teacher would do that. Um, <laughs> and if they did, they wouldn't have a job for very long because they would not be getting results for their students at all. Um and there's another one, the interaction that they have when they catch the skates and the costume in Casey's bag and she acts like she just found like I don't know a brick of cocaine <laughs> in that backpack like there's so much in that scene that makes me angry for starters when she's like I haven't given you nearly enough of what I wanted to and Casey's like you gave me everything which that's <laughs> Michelle Trackenberg's like way she delivers that line also not very good but when it's like well now you have to give something to me it's like no that's the that's the reverse of how that conversation should go like I get that it's mother daughter that sort of thing but it's like if you are claiming you haven't been able to give me enough um isn't this the part where you're like okay but like this is the thing that I want like give it to me so I can chase after it there is realistic conversations those two have especially the lifespan of a professional athlete but at the same time, like Michelle Kwan was a professional, like professional competitive figure skater for 10 years at this point. Like, it's not like it's a two year thing. And also, do you know what? You can have a professional career and then do stuff afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's part of the message that is actually missing from this film is that you can put your life on pause to chase after this dream and then pick back up where you left off 
Whereas in this movie, it's like the end of the world that she doesn't immediately want to go to college after school. I think that's just the last thing that we'll touch on before moving on is the fact that, uh, and we could have touched on it in how well it depicts the sport, but uh, is the fact that Michelle Trachtenberg um, hadn't actually skated before prior to this movie. Um, and so she learned how to skate in the 10 months uh, prior to filming. Um, and so we've obviously talked about, you know, how well those scenes are, are done um, and, you know, sort of what they include and I guess like how well, you know, Michelle Trachtenberg, Hayden Panettiere sort of, um, you know, perform the sport. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really interesting to note that, uh, you know, Michelle Trachtenberg trained for 10 months um, just to be able to skate for this movie and, you know, seemingly do pretty well. Well, like, it was the same with Margot Robbie where, she learned how to figure skate for the role of Tonya Harding. And that's definitely one of the reasons why terms don't matter in this cinematic universe, <laughs> because yeah. if they did, then she would have to be considerably a lot more skilled to be able to pull it off, especially at the speed that she would need to be going at. Um, it's a lot of like clever filming, sneaky cuts. Face tracking. Yeah. So the face tracking, uh, ironically, is quite impressive. Um in parts it's better than I Tonya Sears um and I think Disney Disney Channel original movies did not have the budget that I Tonya had um but like I think it's the uh either the layback spin or the sit spin Michelle Trackenberg is doing like they couldn't do the motion tracking on it it's the spin at the end of the program um they couldn't get the motion tracking on it it's just too fast of a spin and the face ends up looking too, which like, there's some demon looking faces in this movie <laughs> on like elements. Um, so yeah, in those moments, you're like, oh, that's really cool. And to get like the single toe loop, get a waltz jump, that sort of thing. Those are all things that are realistic in the timeline. She would have been spending quite a few hours per day on it. Um, yes, initially, if you've never skated before, really hard. But you can pick up a lot of the basic stuff in about a week. Um, and then it's getting the more complicated elements. Like, it, it's all about where she would have ended up progressing and also how much time that they were spending on the skating, realistically. Um, because it might have been that she got stuck at a certain point and they were like, all right, well, let's get you to work on this other thing. I don't think she did the double toe loop. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But I do think that she was doing those single jumps, especially the bad ones. <laughs> All right, we'll move on now. And the next prompt asks if there was a relatable character to you in this film. So was there anyone like that for you throughout Ice Princess, Michelle? Was there? So a lot of the characters I don't think I related to as much or I didn't vibe with as well. Some of them I, like, respected as characters as being like quite iconic which is basically everything that we've been talking about with Tina Harwood but I wouldn't find her relatable per se um the character that I like the most and vibe with the most is probably Zoe Block mm -hmm. and I think part of that comes from the fact that she is also once again actually a figure skater she's been to the Junior Grand Prix um and won it a couple of times I believe uh but didn't progress that much into seniors. Uh, so she does have the chops there um, and is a good fit for the movie as a result. But also just the fact that she, she skates to Toxic, iconic. <laughs> I love, I relate, that's all I need. Automatic, yes. 
Yeah, she skates of Toxic and the instrumental version of, I think it's Trouble by Pink. Mm-hmm. Um, both iconic songs. Um, and her, like, look, everything, like, it's not the most conventional. It would have, like, not been well-received by then-judges <laughs> because it's a bit too out there. It would have definitely gotten her a costume deduction, but I love it. Yeah, that hair, no, mm-hmm. no, I would not have flown. No, 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 um, no, no. And even, even those boot covers, I'm like, nope. mm, girl, I ain't going to tolerate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Nikki Fletcher's kind of the same way in the sense of, like, is she likable? <laughs> Not really. Um, at the same time, like, she's probably one of the funnier characters because she's so intense. Like, while she's not personally relatable, it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I know you. I've, I've met you before. You're like, man, I'm going to make another Dance Moms reference. <laughs> like, you're the Maddie of the group. Let's be real. Like, just the one that's really intense, is genuinely talented and has a stage parent. Look, Jen's the most relatable character by far. Um, there's the having the parent that's quite pushy and actually pushing back and quote unquote rebelling. Having genuinely real struggles as well as like, like she's given all of the best dialogue in this movie. Like, and I think that that's part of it is that it's like, even like the food stuff, but she's like, what? but I'm burning tons of calories. Like, just let me have a bite. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah. When you are ha- like training to become a professional athlete, you can't do those things, but you definitely like want to. You could say that like the food stuff within the movie is kind of problematic. It is. It's not like, Casey's family has the best relationship with food either like yes it's implied that they're vegetarian or at least on like a health kick kind of thing but (laughs) like it's not yeah Casey's not getting those sort of things either which kind of sets her up for success I guess because she's already quite slight and slender at the same time how did her mother not notice that she wasn't like she was building heaps of muscle because the amount she's working out, she would have been getting tone. Also, just Tina's kind of relatable in the sense that, like, you know what? If I had a kid and I really wanted my kid to succeed, I would try to sabotage them. Not not by... I could be a crazy stage mother now that I, like, think about my own personality. Look, would I, would I spend $1,000 on boots? Because that's probably how much those boots cost. No. Would I have locked her in a bathroom? Yes, easily. She's she's annoying. She sucks anyway. Like, who cares? Oh, she missed her call. Too bad, so sad. Just go on to Disney on Ice. Yeah, physics your way out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, it might be a combination of uh, Casey and Jen just because of that, like, you know, that mother um, or that parental figure um, just, you know, seeming like they want the best. Um, but really sort of like, you know, having those like conversations where, you know, there's a bit of defiance from them as well. And, um, you know, you know, the kind of uh, combination, I guess, of, uh, you know, pushing back as well and, you know, showing away or wanting to do away with uh, what others want and stuff. So I think that's where uh, I sort of tie it into. All right, we'll move on now and we will get to the final prompt of this uh, podcast. And that asks, if you could have a ice skating, figure skating movie get made, what would it be and why? So I hope both of you have some ideas. Jackie, 
you want to go first? <laughs> There's so much that could get made, especially because, like, there's just so much real-world stuff that is worth a movie. I guess in talking about crazy-ass figure skating moments, um, just Team Tripperetsi, and, like, you, you can do any era, but I think I would like to do in line with just the fact that I adore Jen as a character and I made the like comparison early, Aliona Costanaya <laughs> and just like her relationship with Team Tuberetsu as a movie because they they talk some shit about each other in the media, both while she was still at that skating camp as well as like since she's now left. You can do it in a fictionalized version. You can do it in a real version. But the actual like damage that skating has on the athletes' bodies and that sort of thing, and talking about it in a movie style um, of like the health and that sort of thing, and go into the science in that direction. Almost, I don't know how much concussion actually talks about the science of concussions, but <laughs> Will Smith in concussion, like to do something about like what figure skating has done to these very young women's backs and that sort of thing, like, and the lifelong injuries that young skaters now have, I think would be compelling. It It's not going to, like, make parents want to, like, sign their kids up to skate, but it's a movie that you can do. Otherwise, I mean, just because Hayden Panis here, and we, you've already done two of her movies, do a bring-it-on style figure skating movie. <laughs> <laughs> or... I just even, I'll go way crazier because I've already referenced it so many times. And this is something that Michelle and I have talked about for years. It's not a movie, it's a TV show and it's just dance moms for figure skating. <laughs> like have them go to competitions like semi-regularly, I don't care how long. Do the pyramid, do the drama. Figure skating moms are crazy. So give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy that TV show. Absolutely. I mean, Russia's response even to getting banned from the sport effectively at the moment, um, well, yeah. they're suspended. Like the Russian Federation is suspended. So all of their skaters are suspended. They can't even like compete as OAR, that kind of thing. That's a movie in itself. Yeah. What Everything that's happened in Russian figure skating in the past 12 months is worth a movie. But at the same time, you can't make it into a movie because like, Everyone's just like, no, that's too crazy. That's <laughs> too unrealistic. Yeah, I've got two ideas. Um, they're pretty interconnected, both to do with, well, I would want them to be inspired by real-life narratives within the sport. I come to you as myself wanting a good Ice Dance movie, first of all, that accurately kind of talks about the intricacies of Ice Dance and everything like that. Ice Dance, because all the athletes are a step older than a lot of the individuals and also the pairs athletes. And also because it is a sport where you can play a little bit of musical chairs in terms of partner swapping and romantic relationships can get involved a little bit more just because they are athletes. Um, they are adults most of the time. And that's where all the interesting stuff happens. There's a lot of drama there. There's a lot of uh, stuff there that to be played with. And it's, there's so much to explore there that hasn't already been explored in the movie in terms of this facet of figure skating that is now the most historically uh, aligned with what figure skating started out as, which is figures on ice, drawing funky patterns on ice. 
Um, but then it also, it has the campiness, the pizzazz, the costumes, the showiness that helps um, set it apart as well. I also think that it would be really cute to actually get like a nice pairs movie where it's not like two people suddenly smashed together, but it's really looking at the level of trust needed in order to be a strong pairs relationship. I'm thinking very much about Sui and Han, love of my life, Olympic gold medalists, but this whole idea of like being paired up with this 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 boy as a really young skater and being like so this is the person who's going to throw you in the air for like your entire career and catch you and not drop you when they lift you above their heads yeah good we good we go in go yeah but just about that kind of mentality and bond those are two sides of figure skating that I don't think we see a lot because we focus so much on either falling in love on the ice while trying to form a partnership which like if you do it in ice dance it's a little bit different and it's also going to be spicier so it's fun um and then in pairs it's like you need so much unconditional trust that that comes before any kind of romance it's not surprising when pairs teens get married because the bond that you need given all the stuff that you do and all the hardships that you face because of the risk involved makes it make sense I mean, <laughs> Ice Dance as a movie. And look, let's be real, we've mentioned it at the top of the episode. I I think we just need to give it another mention again. Um, Yuri on Ice, please release your movie. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the real figure skating movie I want. I've been Where waiting six years. Where is it? What's going on? We've never had a date. We've only had some trailers. You have footage? You have storyline? Yes or no? First of all, I can't top any of your ideas. Um, so I'm just going to go with a fun one. I actually don't know if it's happened before. I would assume it would have happened before. Um, but that is just, Michelle, you mentioned Disney on Ice before too. Um, I just reckon like, you know, a movie, possibly a fictional movie about a disgruntled skater um, forced to participate in Disney on Ice um, as part of their punishment for something. Um, that's, that's do you know what? That's just like in the between the four years of when Chaz Michael Michaels is... Um, just like <laughs> not allowed to compete that's yeah, him that yeah. that is disney on ice <laughs> or it's oh, yeah. ice capades but that's just yeah. his story him being a drunken mess and sleeping with the fairies well i want to move him more centered on that then <laughs> <laughs> look i'll call will ferrell because i totally know him <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll leave it there for this episode so jackie michelle would you like to share your socials and any other avenues platforms podcasts people can find you on you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dodsy161. You can also find me on the other one of the other Edge of the Crowd podcasts, Edge of the Election, where I talk politics and I, I talk shit about Elon Musk a lot lately. So like if you if you want someone to slander Elon Musk, I'm your gal. Um, and eventually Ascending Olympus will be coming back. So follow us on our socials at Ascending Olipod. Because as Paris gets closer, we will be we'll be bringing that back. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at m.ch.ll.g and on Twitter at m underscore ch underscore ll underscore g double underscore. I also run Edge of the Crowd's other culture podcast, Crimes Against Art, which is all about the shenanigans that goes on in the art world, legal and illegal. <laughs> Uh, a lot of fun we're very close to wrapping up our season you can find 
Crimes Against Art on Twitter and Instagram at Art Crimes Pod. And yeah, please enjoy our funky little episodes. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Jace Herbs. You've been listening to Goals on Film. You can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. You can also follow our YouTube channel for all of our highlights videos. Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can follow Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Edge of the Crowd. You can also view any of our stories, be it sport, culture, or politics, on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>